Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hallo und welcome to Gegenpressing. The Bundesliga podcast is back and it's with a special transfer roundup this week. Um, I'm your host, Manuel Feed, and I'm once again joined by Stefan Bienkowski. And Stefan, Monday was probably more turbulent than we thought it would be, right? Yeah, absolutely. It was an interesting window. Um, I think it, it, it felt to me from a kind of European point of view rather than just the Bundesliga um, in, in many ways, it felt to me like the kind of calm before the storm, which will be this summer, when I think mm. we're going to see some pretty unprecedented levels of uh, transfer, not transfer fees, actually, uh, salaries being handed out. Um, you know, yeah. very few will have to do with German football, but, you know, it will have knock-on effects to, to German football. Um, but then we also saw a few clubs really kind of lashing out because they probably won't be at the table this summer. And I'm looking at Barcelona and I'm looking at Juventus um, in that regard. Mm. Um, in terms of the German football, as ever, you know, January is usually quite quiet. But there's still some interesting moves that happened uh, this in, in January, which obviously we're going to talk about today. Yeah, and I mean, this is a little bit of a different format. That we do also it's out of schedule usually in the international break we don't do anything mm. but i figure because there was some interesting deals not many as as you rightfully point out um in germany there was a lot of interesting deals around europe a former bundesliga player pierre-emerick Aubameyang forcing his way into the barcelona squad um that that made me smile all day monday <laughs> that story was insane uh very interesting <laughs> I've never heard of a player forcing his way into a club. Aubameyang, of course, has made a history of forcing his way out of clubs, <laughs> um, but not into clubs. So that's a first. Well done, Pierre. Um, <laughs> I can't believe he actually got away with it. Um, but he, yeah, he wrote headlines. And then there were some, some interesting deals in, in England, of course, with Newcastle and so on. And um, yeah, that's... Didn't it didn't impact the Bundesliga quite as much as we thought. And I think what we're going to do this week, um, we're just going to go use Transfermarkt. Transfermarkt has, of course, a handy page for Bundesliga winter transfers only. And we're just going to go through it club by club in what is a bit of a different thing and then talk about some of the players that we think were interesting, some of the impacts that they, they could have um, on, on their respective sides. And... Yeah, it's just a little bit of a different show, but I think it's going to be interesting. Um, I hope the listener finds it interesting anyways. But yeah, Stefan, let's, let's start. And I, I, we're just going to do it by last year's standings simply because that's how Transfermarkt has listed them. <laughs> <laughs> and that gives me that handy list that I can actually see. Um, there was 66 departures, 42 arrivals in the Bundesliga, uh, income $55 million, so 50 million euros and 60 million um 
euros were spent by Bundesliga teams on 42 new players. And um, the first one on the list is, of course, Bayern Munich, who have done absolutely nothing. <laughs> they sent, with one exception, Mikkel Cuisance is finally gone. He's at Venezia. Um, but that's pretty much it. Quiet window. And you suggested that pretty much, didn't you? Um, Zakaria was, of course, linked. Mm. And we're going to talk to him when we get to Gladbach. But, um, you know, you suggested that. And it's actually been, I spoke to a few agents who said Bayern Munich will do absolutely nothing. Salih Hamicic pretty much confirmed that. So that's pretty much expected, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think Bayern Munich is certainly one of the clubs that are probably keeping their powder dry uh, ahead of the summer transfer window when they'll be probably looking to pick up a few free transfers, maybe Antonio Rudiger. Andreas Christensen, players like that. Um, and it was really just about a bit of, about some housekeeping this window. We saw Kingsley Coman sign a new contract, although that technically may have been in December. Um, we saw a few younger players sign a new contracts. There's the young centre-back, Ari, B- Ari Mibi. I actually completely made a mm. mistake with that name. Um, my apologies. Uh, perhaps one who... Fa- uh, you know, followers may know more as Paul Vanner, who made a brief uh, debut, if I'm not mistaken, when Bayern Munich were really low on players uh, earlier in the season when they had the COVID outbreak. These two players signed their contracts, you know. So it, it's it's just kind of, um, it just seems to be a bit of housekeeping, which obviously Bayern Munich are very good at. They're very good at making sure players don't run down their contract with one Notable exception, obviously, this month. Uh, I think that's probably the only real kind of maybe downside for Bayern in the, in the January window. It's not so much a, a player leaving, but a player essentially confirming that he'll leave. And Niklas Sula, uh, we talked about him last week, uh, or the last time on the podcast, yeah. rather. Uh, but yeah, a very kind of quiet window for Bayern Munich besides that. Yeah, no. And I think the summer will be pretty quiet too. They, they're going to sign a replacement for Niklas Süle and um, I suspect it will be Antonio Rüdiger or Christensen from, from Chelsea, one of the two. Um, Ginter, of course, has been linked as well, but I think he's going to Inter Milan um, and we'll get to him in, in a moment. Um, the next club on the list is Leipzig. Um, haven't done much either. Uh, Caden Clark, of course, finally comes in on loan, although that said, he will probably return to MLS until the summer. Um, simply because it's not an ideal situation for him to walk into at the moment. They did get rid of a few guys, though. The, um, Elias Moriba um, sent on loan to Valencia um, without a purchase option, so he's coming back. And Brian Brobby um, sent on loan to Ajax, also without a purchase option, so he's probably coming back as well. But um, again, mostly housekeeping mm. For Leipzig, yeah, it's it you know it's really interesting how Broby has just gone back to Holland in the sense that yeah. there was quite a lot of noise about him moving to Leipzig. A lot of people thought it was a really good coup that Leipzig were able to pick him up. He was linked with a number of big clubs, uh, but he just hasn't got anywhere near that first team this season. Um, so hopefully mm. he can go Ajax, obviously a huge club. Uh, intriguingly, right now you'd probably say a better side than Leipzig. Maybe not on paper, but certainly from what we saw in the Champions League this season. So mm. it'll be interesting if he kind of worked his way into that first team but couldn't get a game at Leipzig. Mariba, obviously a similar situation. He's a very highly sought-after player, highly a very um, exciting young player who could end up getting quite a lot of game time at Valencia. So, and this is, mm. this is just kind of Leipzig 
doing what they do, isn't it? They, <laughs> the biggest problem they seem to have from one week to the next is what do we do with all these kind of young wonders, wonder players? Um, so mm. it's, uh, yeah, again, not a huge amount to talk about. Leipzig made a huge, they did a lot of business in the summer. They, their squad is full, packed full of players. Uh, and, you know, it's maybe, this is maybe the, the them bearing the fruit of bringing Tedesco in early December, being able to kind mm. of get, he was able to kind of get his feet under the desk, figure out how he wanted the squad to look. And, you know, instead of bringing a head coach in halfway through the window and just kind of maybe panic buying, uh, Leipzig have kind of looked very stable ahead of a very big game against mm. Bayern Munich at the weekend. Yeah, big game. And uh, we obviously previewed that in the last show. Um, we're really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a fantastic watch. Um, but yeah, not having done very much. Another team that hasn't done very much, but was in the conversation this week was Borussia Dortmund. And I feel like you made this happen, Stefan. <laughs> you made this happen on this show. You talked about how Dortmund should sign <laughs> Niklas Süle. And a week later, it's all over German media. Um, they're listening to this podcast. <laughs> It's it, it, it seemed to me like an obvious two plus two equals four situation. Yeah. Uh, I think I think Sport Build or Build have came back and said, look, he's, it's not happening. Silla is not going to Dortmund, so maybe that dream has already died. Uh, but you know, it's 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 quite funny. But on on, on in 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 the real world, um, I must admit, I was actually quite disappointed in Dortmund in this window. Um, I know, you know. German clubs don't tend to spend a lot of money in January, but Dortmund have shown an, some initiative in previous years. They obviously brought Erling Haaland in, uh, in in a January window, and if this if, if there was ever an opportunity to really bring in some extra depth into the side, fix a few holes in defence, and really make a proper push for the title in the second half of the season, it felt like this was the time to do it. Um, you know, mm. if Dortmund have already ring fenced 25, 30 million euros for Schlotterbeck, why not just spend it now? You know, um, if they've yeah. if they've got players lined up that they want to sign in the in the summer for free, just do what Juventus did with Zakaria, offer seven, eight million euros and get them in now. Um, you know, it's 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 mm. I could probably I could probably go on a rant for the rest of the episode about my frustration with how Dortmund seem incapable of, of building functional teams, even though they obviously have one of the most extensive and impressive scouting networks in European football. Um, but this felt like an opportunity loss for Dortmund. I felt like if now, you know, I, I don't know what the club's finances are like. I know what they have been like up until the most recent financial report and the club are hurting from uh, COVID. There's no doubt about it, but um, they are still one of the biggest and richest clubs in Germany. They're still one of the biggest and richest clubs in Europe. Uh, so, you know, yeah. there's no excuse really for why Dortmund couldn't have thrown 15, 20 million euros at uh, one or two particular problems in this team. Um, and, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess we'll just have to wait and see till May whether that was the right decision or not. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, Zakaria was obviously the one that got away. Um, my understanding was that they were quite far with him already. And then that escaped them. So, yeah, he's going to Juventus. Gladbach is going to be a big topic, I think, on the show. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep our powder dry until then. Uh, another big topic. This is the next club we're going to talk about. is Wolfsburg. <laughs> um, wow. 
I'm going to talk about Kevin Paredes maybe first because I know quite a bit about him, mm-hmm. right? Um, young guy signed from DC United for $7.35 million, um, 6.6 million euros. Um, made headlines here, obviously, because he's 18-year-old, very talented, mm-hmm. uh, broken in, into MLS um, last year. Dynamic, fast, can play as a, as a wing back, as a left winger and left midfield. Um, a project for the future, though. The club made that quite clear. Wolfsburg made that quite clear. I think um, a smart piece of business. I mean, obviously, Wolfsburg wanted to sign an American, right? Stefan, they were so close, <laughs> so so close to getting Pepe as well. And uh, Volkswagen, of course, as a company, has strong roots in American soccer. Um, they, they sponsor the national team. Um, they sponsor a team in USL One, Chattanooga FC. They sponsor the Canadian Premier League. Um, the subsidiary Audi sponsors DC United, uh, the stadium. And of course, they also sponsor Major League Soccer through Audi as well. So there is strong connections with America. Um, so I think, I don't want to say Kevin Paredes is like a marketing gag because I think he's far more talented than that. But if you're an 18-year-old and you play in any man's league and you make it there, and MLS is not a joke anymore. It's a very different proposition than it was 10 years ago, right? Mm. Um the league is producing a lot of very talented players. Um, they have their price. I mean, $7.35 million is a lot of money for an 18-year-old, um, especially if you're a Bundesliga team. But they do bring... They're very easy to integrate to into German football, right? Because it's very similar. It's very athletic. It's very physical. Um, and the thing is, two Americans find it quite easy to make make life happen in Germany. So um, a good signing. Um, Stefan, it did get rid of Wood Bechhorst. Finally, he's gotten his dream move to the to the Premier League, and then in brackets, but it's Burnley. <laughs> yeah, this is this is an interesting one. Um, mm. I had quite a lot of people in England ask me about this. I actually had a local reporter interview me just to talk about him, and you know, he said, "How, how does this work out?" And I said, "You know, I think Burnley are actually getting a very very good player for this. Um, you know, fifteen mil- fifteen million euros." isn't a bad price for Wolfsburg, you know. And at the end of the day, I feel like everyone kind of was able to benefit from this. Um, you know, Burnley got a great striker, I think. I think Veghorst is a great striker. Um, he maybe isn't, um, you know, a very modern striker. He seems quite traditional, but he knows what to do. He knows how to score goals. Uh, and he's been ridiculously consistent for Wolfsburg. So, uh, you know, he came, you're talking about a striker who was plucked from, what, the second division in Holland uh, and went on to become one of the best goal scorers in the Bundesliga. So he's been a great player for Wolfsburg. Um, and Burnley have now managed to sign him for half the price they sold Chris Wood for. Uh, I think he's better yeah. than Wood. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think Burnley fans are going to have a lot of fun with Vekhorst up front. But, you know... He's obviously a player who's wanted a move from Wolfsburg for quite some time. So Vekhorst gets his move. Wolfsburg get a decent fee for a player who's been wanting to leave for a while and has certainly not looked up to the standards this season. And Burnley managed to find a great uh, replacement. What happened next is actually quite interesting to me. So they've obviously signed Max Kroza. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from what I heard from people at the club at Union Berlin, this came completely out of the blue. Uh, you know, we're talking as in yeah. within, uh, you know, up until maybe 6 p.m. on the night that it was announced, no one at Union Berlin had any idea this was happening. You know, it's that, that kind of quick of a quick turnaround. And, 
you know, to be fair to Wolfsburg, I mean, I think Cruz has made a point, you know, oh, you know, I get to go back to where I came from, et cetera, et cetera. I think Wolfsburg just threw a big bag of cash at him. You know, they've obviously offered him. Oh, I know they yeah. did, Stefan. <laughs> yeah, they made one offer and Union said, no, but if you pay this, we'll give it to you. And then they, they said, okay. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and Union are certainly not in a position to say no. And they've obviously offered, they obviously yeah. said to Cruz, look, the kind of length of the contract that they have offered suggests that he gets a degree of security, which he probably wouldn't have had at Union Berlin. So, and and you know what? Like, if he can continue this goal scoring form that he has done so far this season, he's sitting on 15 goals and assists so far. If he can do that in the second half of the season, that could be the difference between Wolfsburg, you know, being stuck in relegation and comfortably avoiding it. So maybe it works out. And they've obviously picked up this kid from Copenhagen as well. Yeah. Um, Jonas Wind um, yeah, six goals and four assists in 16 games uh, Super League games and then of course um, four goals in five uh, UEFA Conference League games um, I would have to lie to say I, I know a lot about him I do not um, his numbers look good um, he looks like an interesting player and people in Denmark really rate him um, I think and his profile looks similar to Wood um, Vehors with the maybe the added um, bonus that he's vaccinated, <laughs> <laughs> which was of course like a big, big, that's maybe the one thing that we need to talk or add to Wood Vehors right is that um, his vaccination status did cause a lot of headaches at Wolfsburg mm-hmm. because the rules in Germany are changing and um, like he wouldn't have been able to travel to the team hotel for example and. Um, a lot of a lot of his teammates were unhappy about that and a few other things that have happened with Weghorst. So you wonder, you know, this is what one thing I wonder, Stefan. Things when you look at Wolfsburg's squad, an ex, I thought they were an excellent squad going into the season. Um, but this, this, there must have been some things that have just gone wrong. And you almost sometimes one guy, one player or two or three players, they're unhappy. They can really ruin you in terms of what you're putting on as a product on the field, mm. right? And in, in America, you say, there's this wonderful term, he was a cancer in the dressing room. And um, in order to fix your squad, you have to cut it out. Mm. And I wonder if Wolfsburg did that here. And they didn't just get rid of uh, Vichos, they also got rid of um, Josua Gulavogi. Ah, I can't speak right now. Gulavogi. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you. And Admir uh, Mehmedi, right? Um, you just and Daniel Ginchek as well. It was almost like a little bit of a get rid of all the surplus, mm. all the unhappy guys. And then we bring in like Max Kruse and we bring in Kevin Paredes and Jonas Wind. And two of them are very young and one of them is more experienced. And Kruse is obviously a Kofeld guy, right? Mm. So you almost wonder if that is actually what happened. What, what fueled us the most is that they, they wanted to get the balance in the dressing room right again. Yeah. I think that's one, one thing to watch. Yeah, absolutely. It'll, it'll be interesting to see if there's um, further kind of um, further clear outs in the summer because there's probably a few other big names mm-hmm. in that squad that I would suggest probably are also pushing for a move, but maybe not yeah. uh, in the same kind of contractual situation as Veghorst. Um, you know, I think maybe I wouldn't be surprised if guys like Brooks or Lacroix, for example, if these guys do kind of push for moves in the summer, 
Um, obviously, a move in January maybe wouldn't have made much sense. But, you know, if this is Cofield beginning to really exert his authority on the team, then it's, it's certainly no bad thing. Yeah, I think that's the, the necessary next step and th- something to watch. Um, I'm surprised Cofield got this time to... I'm surprised he survived through the international break, but I guess with these moves, they they've maybe they addressed maybe they found the issue in the squad rather than the bench, and we'll see. Um, it's going to be an interesting one to watch. Wolfsburg is an interesting one to watch, and I know a lot of Americans will tune in now and watch them and see how their boy gets on. So, um, yeah, fascinating story. We'll keep an eye on it. Uh, the next club on the list is Eintracht Frankfurt. They didn't do much. Um, Ansgar Knauf is an interesting prospect, brought in on loan from Dortmund. Add some attacking depth, but that's about it, right? Yeah, I was quite surprised at him leaving Dortmund, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I know mm. Gio Reyna's now back uh, after a really unfortunate yeah. timeout um, with injuries. And uh, I think Kel actually came out at the weekend there and said, you know, he's actually, after, after finally returning from injury, he, he then had the cold, so... We might expect to see him play against Leverkusen at the weekend. But, um, yeah, Knauf, I thought, you know, he's looked good when he's came into the squads. I, I did wonder whether, you know, I would rather have hit someone like him rather than, like, for example, Wolf or something like that come on. But, you know, I don't know, Dortmund. Sometimes Dortmund can be quite weird with their youngsters. They're sometimes better at just letting other clubs develop the youngsters and then they buy them. <laughs> and in terms of, like, kind of young German talents uh, and then... You know they're, yeah. they're they're better at producing the kind of international stars, so maybe it's not a bad idea at all. But yeah, in terms of Frankfurt, very straightforward, um, no huge changes really, and uh, and yeah, it, it, I guess I guess they've they, they've been quite consistent for a few weeks, few months now. So um, there's no real need, I suppose. Yeah, the next club is Bayer Leverkusen, and they've only done one thing but quite significant thing in bringing in Sada Asmoon from Zenit St. Petersburg, initially signed on a free transfer um, for the for the summer. And then I guess they put St. Petersburg into a position where they said, look, we have him already. Here's another 4 million euros and we'll get him right away. Th- that's quite a big signing, Stefan. Asmoon, um, 27 has been a star in Russia for quite some time. I, I, remember, I used to cover Russian football quite closely, and Asmoon was always a guy where he said, okay, he's going to get his move eventually to Europe, um, to, to a big club, and very dynamic forward. Like he's listed as a center forward, but plays a little bit deeper almost. You know, he's, This tag gets thrown around a lot, but he's often called the Iranian Messi. Um, I don't think that's quite a good fit, but he is very dynamic, very strong between the lines, um, a dangerous player, and it's going to be, I think, a good fit to play with Schick up front. Of course, this also has implications in terms of Alario, and I, I know Alario is being shopped heavily. Um, there's a few leagues where the transfer window is still open. Mm-hmm. Um, River Plate has been one, MLS has been another, right? Where he, where clubs would happily take someone like Alario, who's I think is still a proven goal scorer, but just. Um, hot and cold for Bayer Leverkusen, but Asmoon is maybe the signing of the winter. Yeah, I had. I, I need you to maybe go into a bit more detail on him. So because I, I had actually recently kind of discovered him through his links mm-hmm. to another club, actually, um, and I was kind of looking at his stats, and you know, he's just been this almost like Russian football's best kept secret over the last couple of seasons. Um, 
I'm just quite surprised that he's ever he's ended up at Leverkusen, where they obviously have a very established number nine. You know, mm-hmm. um, obviously, to a large extent, that's obviously why Alario hasn't worked out and why he's getting moved on. So, you know, where where do you think Asman fits into this Leverkusen side? Because he's surely not happy just to sit on the bench now. No, um, I think Asmoon is not going to be playing fully up front. Um, he does actually quite work quite well behind a number nine as well. I know um, it's been a while since I've fully covered Russian football, <laughs> so bear with me here. But um, the thing is with him, what I always what I always saw, he often played with like an actual center forward in front mm-hmm. of him, right? Um, you know, he's always listed as a center forward, but he's best suited with another number nine because he's just like, he, he, he's more of like um, uh, what we call a hangende Spitze in German, right? Someone who hangs off a number mm-hmm. nine, a traditional a traditional striker. And um, so I think what you're going to see with Leverkusen is that they might change their formation a little bit which is, of course, going to be interesting because um, the way the way he's like been playing there is just that he might be just further back in the squad. Hmm. In in terms of, um, I give you an example when he plays um, when he played with when he played with Sinit, it was often in a three four three, and he was kind of like the middle forward with two wingers around him, but he could also play with Zuba. And then play off Zuba. Um, so I think that's what Leverkusen will be doing here because Schick is, of course, he is the number nine striker. You're not going to not going to replace him. Um, no way. Because, well, I mean, I guess Schick could go to Dortmund in the mm. summer. Um, there is these very, very strong links that he could replace Erling Haaland. And then, of course, you have a ready-made replacement, um, which I think is sensible. But I think for right now, what they're doing is they're going to a groom him as a replacement for Sheik, but also have him play with Sheik in case they are able to keep mm. Sheik. Um, and it makes them pretty dangerous because one thing that you don't have in in German football is a lot that not many teams have several top strikers, mm. and Leverkusen now have yeah. two, and Alario as well. Still, I but I personally I so like I think Alario is still going to get chopped. Yeah this this winter um you know river plate just sold uh, julian alvarez for a lot of money to man city and i think they're going to probably bring in someone and he is from there right um i know palmeras is looking for number nine that's that's another one uh, i know they linked to tati castellano who, who's playing in mls but maybe they see alario as a, a cheaper better option mm. so uh i i still think there is a way out for alario but still like Leverkusen right now look dangerous um and they were able to keep almost every player except for Nadim Amiri who's going to this really pr- weird project in Genoa mm. right American ownership and um new new coach did I think they signed Bruno Labbadia mm. did I do it did I see that right so certainly linked I mean yeah the, um, the only thing to really add about Leverkusen is obviously the backer was strongly linked with a move to Newcastle um which yeah. I find really interesting the coverage of it I thought uh, maybe I'm just alone in this, but I've actually been quietly impressed with them so far this season. And when the rumors began mm. to circulate, I, 
I was given no impression from people I speak at the club that this was something or a player that they were happy to sell. So, you know, when it kind of fizzled out, I wasn't surprised, but I was surprised at some of the reaction on Twitter, which, you know, is obviously never always a fair representation. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, I'm quite glad they've held on to him because I think he's doing quite well. And as you said, you know, in, in general, Leverkusen have managed to keep the squad together and there's so much raw potential and quality in it. Yeah. I mean, it's not every day you're adding like a 30 million euro striker and keep everyone mm. else. Not in the Bundesliga. Um, I think that's remarkable. I'm, I'm probably going to sit down after this podcast and write something on him and <laughs> uh, a bit more in depth to, to lay out my thoughts on Sada Asmun coming to the Bundesliga. It's probably not a bad idea. Um, so so keep your eyes out on that. But I think it's a fascinating signing and I'm really curious what it means short term and long term. I, I have a sense that long term he will replace Patrick Schick. Mm. You know, we're going to see probably at Dortmund. Just a gut feeling. <laughs> Just a gut feeling. But um, Union Berlin, now they did sign Sven Michel from Paderborn to replace Max Kruse. They did sign Andras Schäfer from um, Hungary. <laughs> um, I don't know anything about him, but it's Union Berlin, so he's probably going to turn out great. Um, Dominic Heinz from Freiburg. Yeah. Uh, a centre-back who once was super considered super super talented but you know maybe maybe Unione are finally going to get the best out of him um Unione in a tricky situation now such a good season thus far but losing Max Cruz is going to hurt yeah and Friedrich as well who obviously went to Gladbach um mm. who was a you know an absolute starter on that side last season and up until the the window just there so you know, I guess unfortunately for Union, they're beginning to become the victims of their own success. Bigger clubs are beginning to notice the players that they developed. I mean, I I know Max Cruz yeah. certainly isn't a youth prospect by any means, but you know he's yeah. in many ways Union brought him back to the Bundesliga and proved that he still had so much left to give. Uh, so a club like Wolfsburg said, "Well, thank you very much. We'll sign him and offer him much more money." Gladbach have also done the same with Friedrich, who's probably going to be a Matthias Ginter replacement in the long term. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how Union do there because that's two big players um, and you know I, I actually was speaking to someone about this and they were saying this maybe it maybe wouldn't be the worst idea if they did kind of begin to drift into mid-table now because another mm. season in Europe which would obviously be outstanding for the fans may begin to put strains on a club that you know certainly don't have the infrastructure to compete at that level you know quite physically in terms of the stadium itself you know and I think behind the scenes as well they don't have the staff and maybe the recruitment drive and things to kind of come compete with the attention that this 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 team is now maybe getting from scouts at bigger clubs so I think this window is a very tricky one for them but it'll be interesting to see how they do in the second half of the season yeah absolutely um, you already mentioned him, Marvin Friedrich, going to Gladbach. Um, that's your Ginter replacement, right? And um, the Gladbach lose Dennis Zakaria. Um, a lot of turmoil there. The Ebal press conference, of course. Um, we should say that they've also sporting yeah, they've also lost Max Eberl as well. Mm, yeah, and that's... Um, there was a lot of speculation, including for myself, um, 
because people thought he's going to go somewhere else. And obviously that's not the case. So I um, want to apologize for that. Um, the press conference, I think eye opening for a lot of people of what's, what this job means and how brutal it can be. Um, you know, he announcing, of course, that he needs a break after 23 years in the job and he just can't do it anymore. He's just tired, exhausted. And um, I get it. It's, it's a tough business and it's a business that doesn't care about people's feelings. Um, the press conference, of course, underlined this because he, 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 uh, he told the press how he is feeling and why he's stepping down. And one of the first questions was about new signings, <laughs> um, which is pretty much all you need to know about what's sometimes happening in this game. It's brutal. It's cold. I mean, we all, both of you and I, we work on it full time. Um, but this is just how it is. It's brutal sometimes. And Gladbach, of course, are in a very difficult situation. Um, Eber, I think, has shown signs of his weariness for a while now. And we now that he's said it publicly, it kind of makes sense. And a fresh start might not be the worst thing for them, but they are facing now a time of uncertainty. And I think the best thing that happened to them this winter and it's always tough when you lose a player but that they actually got something for uh, for Dennis Zakaria mm. at least a little bit right yeah you'd think that kind of eight or nine million euros may go somewhere uh, go quite a distance towards kind of plugging holes in the, the team's finances right now and you know he's obviously a player who, who's been meaning to move on it'll be interesting to see what happens because I was speaking to a Juventus fan about this and I did say look mm. um He's he he was an outstanding player for Gladbach, but since his injury, he's not quite looked the same. And you know, he is part of a group of players in that Gladbach team who simply don't aren't trying, or they they simply didn't look like they were trying very hard this season. So it's not a huge loss to Gladbach in the grand scheme of things. Um, but yeah, the, the, this this entire club just needs a a big reset button pushed somewhere mm. uh it's such a shame to see Bill move on uh an, an honest man in a kind of dishonest industry i think sometimes the way you hear him talk mm-hmm. about his love for football and his love for gladback his love for german football uh in many ways he is almost kind of like the moral kind of guardian of the bundesliga in a lot of ways um so it'll be interesting to see where he ends up because i think for a long time uh he kind of pulled glad back up to an extent where they were punching above their weight um yeah you know obviously you know they're, they're a big club historically in germany um they've got a huge stadium but you know it's not a big city it's not a big town uh it's no. it's it, two hundred thousand people only it's very yeah, small the stadium is really almost well not in the middle of nowhere but it just kind of stands looming uh, on its own yeah so you know, it's it's they're they're not a huge institution that will always do well. They need people like Eberl there to kind of make sure things tick along. So hopefully they can bring someone in with some fresh ideas and they can the club can just completely change uh how things work and, and, and start moving in a different direction. Because I think that has been necessary. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be tough for a while. The golden era is over. I think COVID really hurt them more than any other German club, not named Schalke, um, really, really hurt them because their model's always been to find players and sell them with a profit. And COVID has made that impossible for the time being. 
and um, they need that money. They need to be able to find the next Shaka, the next Hazard, the next Sakaria, and then sell them with a profit. And I think that model is dead because of COVID. Clubs just don't have the cash at the moment. And I think Eber um, really tellingly said one of the in you know, one of his last interviews that he did before resigning that Gladbach might have to open up to investors. Mm. And I think maybe a different phase and a different approach, that's what's going to happen next. Um, I think German football will face that reality now, period. Um, and Gladbach, of course, if it happens to Gladbach, one of the most historical clubs, that's going to maybe open the floodgates in, in its entirety. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. You look at Serie A and the way the league has revamped itself with the help of American investors. Maybe that's a good thing. Um, but it's going to hurt at first. I think Gladbach fans will have have a few years of pain ahead of them. Yeah, absolutely. And you kind of hope that they don't go the same way of a, a Schalke, Hamburg, Werder Bremen, etc., etc. You yeah. hope that their their rock bottom is still within the top division because they obviously offer so much to the Bundesliga. Uh, but we'll just mm. have to see. Yeah, definitely. Um we're actually staying right on topic, I think, when it comes to big historic clubs. Stuttgart, tough season, man. Um, I really rate Pellegrino Matarazzo and the people. Uh, Sven Mislintat as well, of course, who, who's the sporting director previously at Dortmund. Speaking of finding young players and selling them for profit, mm-hmm. he's professionalized that. Um, and he's found another one in Thiago Thomas from Sporting, 19-year-old center forward. Um, signed on for 500,000 euros on loan with a 14 million euro purchase option. Of course, they will have to stay in the league to trigger that. Um, but he is, people forget that Sasha Kalajic is only coming back now, right? And I think that's going to be a big thing for the club. And Thiago Thomas is going to be a, an interesting addition in, to help with that. Um, didn't do much else. <laughs> Stayed relatively quiet. Yeah, and I think that that's that's a good sign. I mean, Stuttgart is, could also is one of those clubs that could also in the past when when they were in panic mode, they were really in panic mode, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it shows that behind the scenes, even though on the pitch things aren't going very well, behind the scenes things are still ticking along as normal. Um, we yeah. spoke about Stuttgart a few times this season. I think we actually covered them in the last episode as well in terms of their form on the pitch yeah. and. Uh, it's just unlucky. You know, it's just bad luck, I think, for the most part. Key players have been out injured. Yeah. They've had huge COVID outbreaks. COVID. Uh, yeah. You know, so um, it, it doesn't strike me as a situation where anyone's looking at a squad of players and thinking we have to invest a lot of money in January. Uh, the Thomas one's a really interesting one because from what I understand, uh, sporting are under huge, huge pressure to uh, come up with a huge lump sum of money Um to pay their bills, uh-huh. uh, they're under huge. They're in a lot right. of financial is tr- to the to the extent that they could get banned from European football for three seasons because uh, they still have unpaid transfer fees from two or three years ago. I think I, I think I read somewhere that they mm. still haven't paid off what they paid for Bruno Fernandez, who obviously now the Manchester United player. That's how far back we're talking. So. I'm not surprised the Stuttgart maybe swooped in here for a young player and promised to pay maybe 15 million euros and by the end of it, uh, because he might end up be worth, he could end up worth a lot more than that. 
yeah, when when Miss Lintard finds someone that works out, usually yeah. um, interesting situation in sporting. I expect the vultures are circling there. And you can see lots of lots of clubs benefiting from that in the long run. Um, of course, a huge institution in Portuguese football. Um, as for Stuttgart, a big institution in German football. And I, I think they, you know, I still think they're going to be all right at the end of the year. Um, of course, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. Freiburg, their Baden-Württemberg rival, um, only signed one guy, Hugo Sichet from Standard Leash. I put money on it right now. He's going to be a star. <laughs> 19-year-old left back. He's going yeah, to be good. Fra- Freiburg find him. I was going to say, if, if Freiburg <laughs> sign a French or Belgian player, you can bet your bottom dollar they're going to end up a Dortmund or Bayern Munich star. <laughs> yeah. 50 million euros signing in two Absolutely. years. Well done, yeah. Freiburg. <laughs> um, we don't really need to talk much about them. They're just so well run and that's going to be a good player um without knowing too much about him yet i know he's going to be good um hoffenheim don't didn't need to do much either because of the season that they're having and um i think the only notable especially for for people who would listen to this podcast is justin jay would have brought an on loan from dallas uh no Bayern munich are not involved in this there's a purchase option um to make that deal permanent 18 year old center back can also play right back um, I think it's a good situation for him, Stefan, because in Chris Richards, there's already an established American mm. there. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So. I mean, I, I, I couldn't pretend to know much about him. I'm happy to let you uh, work your magic in this one, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, mm. Hoffenheim have obviously got a decent link now with the American players coming in. So, yeah, it, it could be a smart move. Yeah, he's previously at Bayern, right? And Bayern really wanted to make that deal permanent too, but... I don't think they were quite willing to pay um, what Dallas wanted um, in the long term. I think there's a 5 million euro purchase option in that deal. Um, and Bayern said, look, we're not going to pay that for to someone who's playing at Bayern 2 um, for the foreseeable future. And Hoffman said, well, look, um, this is a player that we, we can develop. Um, he's already played full-time minutes at Dallas at, in MLS. Um, versatile has a German passport by the way <laughs> so might not be an American much longer <laughs> because it's not like that Germany has tons of center backs so um, you know I'm pretty sure that when Flick and the DFB team see this they're going to put their feelers out interesting background is German Russian American um, speaks Russian German and English obviously fluent and um, yeah I think very versatile, can play play all four roles in the de- in, in the back, and yeah, you good know signing. it's uh, you know it's changed days when it's Germany trying to convince Americans to play for their national team rather than the other way around. Yeah, <laughs> Jurgen Klinsmann I, years I, I, are well yeah. and truly gone. Yeah, I think you know um, Justin also has the interest. Yeah, to perhaps play for yeah, Germany. So, um, as well as the U.S. team has, the, as much as talent has been produced in the U.S., they have also just lost to Canada 2-0. Um, so, just want to point that out. I try to put it in, in every podcast I'm on. Um, but let's move on to Mainz. Delano Burksock. So, I like this signing a lot because when it was announced, they used the Transfermarkt page rumor mill thing. 
pronounce it. Um, other than that, I don't know much about him. They finally got rid of Jean-Philippe Mateta to Crystal Palace. Um, 11 million euros. I think that's a pretty good fee. Mm-hmm. Mines can do a lot of stuff with that money. Absolutely. And we're talking about a player who's obviously been away at Crystal Palace for some time now. Mines have moved on. Uh, so mm. some some tidy business without a doubt. Um but yeah, again, as you said, not a huge amount going on there. And the club will sure be fine yeah. with that. Svensson knows what he's doing. Uh, it's a well-run club, yeah. decent squad. Kind of maybe began to kind of drop off towards the end of the year there in terms of form. Um, so I think the winter break and this international break will probably do them quite well. Mm. Augsburg, just Ricardo Pepe. I don't think that's enough. No, because... Ricardo Pepe himself probably isn't enough at, uh, either. You know, it's uh, it's 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 an odd one. We've talked about we kind of talked about his arrival and the, the manner in which is it has happened yeah. in previous podcasts. But uh, I have to kind of feel for Augsburg here uh, in the sense that we're probably talking about a club there that are desperately looking for kind of options and answers, especially you know Vinzio, the, the the head coach. And he gets handed Pepe, this 18-year-old kid who, don't get me wrong, he could be good one day, but do you want an 18-year-old prospect when you're fighting relegation? You want hardened, horrible, mm. bruised professionals. You want guys who are willing to run through brick walls and snap necks and break legs and things. Um, I'm not sure Pepe's the guy to do that. So, But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, definitely. Um, Hertha done a lot, signed um, Dong Yong Lee, uh, Mark-Oliver Kempf, Kilian Enzona, and Fredrik André Björkan this winter. Um, done a lot for relatively little money. Um, I spoke to Bobic a few weeks ago, and he said he, he wants to look for character rather than talent at the moment to rebuild the squad. Feels like he's, that's exactly what he's done here. I mean, I can't really say much about any of these deals, except for Mark Oliver Kemp, who was once considered a hugely talented centre-back in German mm-hmm. football, but yet really has to find his way um, to really fully establish himself in the Bundesliga. And he's going to get minutes in, in Berlin, that's for sure. But whether this is enough to, you know, really, really change Berlin's fortune or hurt his fortune... Um, I think that remains to be seen. I think there's going to be a lot more happening there down the road. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think at the moment, Hertha are still very much in a transition period. We saw, uh, you know, executive board member Arnie Friedrich announce that he's moving on as mm. well. Um, you know, it's 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 obviously, this is maybe Bobic beginning to slowly but surely exert his influence over the club. Um, yeah. And... I think at the moment it will all just come down to whether they can avoid get they can avoid relegation, and then after that, mm. you know, proper plans can be made in the summer. Uh, but yeah, so, yeah, so smart if not entirely uninteresting moves in the January transfer window. Um, so the next club, Arminia Bielefeld, uh, bring in another American, and here comes your gift. <laughs> Stefan, <laughs> <laughs> Bundesliga squad issues, some kid from MLS and then duct tape on the, the whole spouting water. Uh, I love that. It's brilliant. Um, I have to say, though, George Bello is a signing that I, I really like. Um, I didn't think 
that they Bielefeld would get him for that sort of money. 20-year-old left back, um, can also play left midfield and further up, super fast, very dynamic, hardworking. You know, he would have been the kind of player that Augsburg should have probably brought in. Um, and Bielefeld and Kramer have been playing some really progressive football. Of course, they brought him in from Salzburg, right? The, the Red Bull setup. Um, so you, you just know that, that he's going to look for players who can basically run their heart out and work hard and um, be aggressive. And Bello brings all of that to the table. Uh, a smart business. And Bielefeld, you know, you just know that they're going to make money on this deal um, down the road. And um, with that in mind, I think Bielefeld might be just fine this year. Yeah, absolutely. And they've, they've kind of <clears throat> pulled away in the league. Uh, they begin to put some distance between themselves and relegation. They certainly don't look like one of the sec- two or three worst teams in the division this year. Um, so, yeah, yeah it, it's kind of impressive times for Bielefeld. There's no doubt about it. Um, be interesting to see how quickly Bello can kind of settle into the team. Um, mm. You know, but... I mean, it, it, it certainly is exciting and they, they, they deserve it because, you know, we've kind of talked about the kind of number of kind of mid-table clubs that have just been so poor this, so poor this season. And in many ways, it'd be a shame if we had another Greuther fourth situation where no matter how hard they tried, they simply weren't good enough. I think Bielefeld have proved themselves that they're a step above that to the extent and they deserve to maybe stay in the division. I spoke to an agent about the Bellow transfer and he said like they're going to make money on this deal as soon as early as the summer. That's how good he is and that's how much in demand he wow. was. And they were people in the industry were surprised that of all clubs, Bielefeld were the one to convince him to get him. Mm. So well done. Well done. You know, take some take American players are not cheap, and this one is a good one, and they got him. So I personally thought that was very surprising um, when I first heard about it and when they when they wrapped it up. So Bielefeld with some very good business there. Köln, um, we're making our way down the list. Köln, um, not done much either. They brought in Bright RAMB from Bayern Munich on loan. Um, but, you know, that is sort of what they needed to do. And Julian Chabot from Sampdoria also on loan, right? They needed to bring in some centre-backs after... Losing a lot of centre backs mm. um, in the summer. Chichos, of course, gone to MLS, and Mary um, gone to Liga MX in Mexico. So yeah, I don't know. Um, Bright RMB is of course someone who is very very talented. Bayern Munich rate him very mm. highly. Signed him to a long term contract before sending him out on loan. Um, another young German centre back. We don't have many of those, so hopefully he gets lots of playing time, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Cologne have kind of do have a reputation for this. They're very good at developing young players. Uh, it's, it's, it's a great you know atmosphere to um, develop mm-hmm. as a young player. You've obviously got one of the most passionate home grounds in the in the country there. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's interesting. They have kind of shed themselves of a number of players. Uh, you know they've made a decent amount of money out of it, made a, maybe two two million euros. It can go towards something, and if they can plug that with a young, impressive central defender from Bayern Munich um, and, and another one from Sampdoria, then you know that that make might make all the difference to a clone side that are kind of slowly but surely turning into maybe one of the most impressive teams in the division this season in terms of the league position. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, personally, 
it's it's, it's a, they're such a weird club because you look at the size of Cologne as a, as a city and the historical importance of that club. They're one of the founding members, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And um, yeah, you know, it's it's almost like every time they start doing well, you kind of want to say, well, that's exactly where they should be. You know, they should be one of the big mm-hmm. six clubs in Germany to an extent. Um, they have the fan base to support it, but that shouldn't take away from the fact that they've done very, very well on the pitch this season. And, and this January transfer window just shows that they are kind of ticking along as well off it as well. Yeah, Köln is a, is a funny one. They should be the Dortmund. Hmm. With the size of the city. I mean, it's... it's, a, it's you and I both have spent it's much, time, it's much, much bigger than Dortmund. There, right? <laughs> huge. It's a huge city. It's like almost the size of hmm. Munich. I think it's bigger um, than Munich. No, and the not, stadium not, is, is enormous. And the, the... Now, and Munich is the third yeah, biggest city yeah. in, in Germany after Berlin and Hamburg. Um, Köln is big because where it's at mm. right when you like add Gladbach, Düsseldorf, Leverkusen and all that sort of stuff in it um, yes the metropolitan region is way bigger but it's a standalone city but you you know that's probably also what one of the issues to have that there's so many other teams around them competing mm. um, and then they're just so badly run we're <laughs> <laughs> um, badly run sometimes badly run and city, the city of Cologne is just pure chaos always has been um, when you put that in contrast to what's going on in in Bavaria, um, and I say that as a Bavarian, of course, but <laughs> you know, there's maybe some cultural issues there too. That in Bavaria, you just like um, rather than talking about having success, you have success. Mm. And then, and I think in Dortmund, which is a, in is in, of course in the Ruhr, the more hardworking mentality also has some reflection on where the club is culturally. Um, I think there is a reflection of a culture in what you are as a mm. club. You know, um, don't want to poo-poo on the city of Cologne too much, but, you know, this is it's also the home of the carnival and Köln reflect that yeah. every year. It's a, it's a very, very fun city to live in. Um, yeah. And that's if, and, and you can completely avoid football entirely if you want to as well. That's the thing because it's such a big, vibrant city that it's quite easy to forget that there is a huge football stadium in the city. Uh, well, just outside mm. it. Um, so, yeah, maybe maybe the football does kind of get pushed to the side from time to time, and maybe that's why they haven't historically done well. But it's a uh, it's 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 too big a topic maybe to answer tonight. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Colin can be like a cultural topic at some point. Um, next time they get relegated, we can talk about that in full length because we just know it's going to happen. Um, Bochum, Jürgen Lukatia, boy, FC Cincinnati reject ending up at Bochum. That's, I think, all I'm going to say about this guy. Um, in fairness, I don't think they really needed to do too much anyways. No, they've, they've looked quite good as well, much like Bielefeld, except probably better. Um they seem to have kind of got a handle on what they have to do. They have a very clear way of playing. Um, they frustrate teams. Sure, sometimes it doesn't work when they maybe come up against one of the big sides, but uh, they, they, they know what to do. They have the players to do it, and it should help them avoid relegation. So I'm not surprised to see they did very little. Um, I don't know much about Lacadia, but you know if it offers a bit more firepower or legs up front, then fantastic. Yeah, Hoffenheim. He was at Hoffenheim and then went to Cincinnati and um, was once considered a huge talent in Dutch football, but just no. Um, just hasn't worked out yet. So 
that's all I can say. I know he didn't work out in MLS at all. In fairness, the Cincinnati is probably the Köln of MLS. Um, <laughs> so maybe that had, had a reason. That's the reason for it. Uh, final club, and that's Kräuter Fürth. Not going to spend too much time talking about them. I think when you look at the transfers and the deals that they made, there's a club getting ready for Bundesliga 2. Yeah, I think that's probably a fair shout. Um, no huge signings. Um, and and like you said, unfortunately with Ford, it's, it's, a, it's been a situation all season when it's hard to look for the positives. Um, and mm. as you said, this January transfer window doesn't strike me as a club desperately or, or somehow managing to find a solution to their problems. It seems as if they're almost damaged limitations. So we'll see how we'll see what happens in the second half of the season, but I'm not hugely hopeful for them. No, I think it's pretty safe to say they're going down. Um, wow, we did it. We did all 18 clubs in under an hour. <laughs> I find that it's probably the most impressive part about the show. I, I enjoyed this, Stefan. It's good. Um, it was something of a bit of a different format. I think this is probably the first time this year that we actually managed to talk about all 18 clubs on one episode. Absolutely. They cannot cause bias anymore. <laughs> no. This was a full overview of everything that happened. Um, obviously, we were going to be back with another show after the the Bayern Munich-Leipzig clash, the big one on the weekend. I'm immensely looking forward to it. And um, yeah, the transfer window is shut. It's all about football. I say that. It's not true because obviously cleans are already getting ready for the summer. Um, so transfers are pretty much going to happen from now until the end of August. But um, no more additions. Well, that's it for from us this week. We'll be back at the end of the week with our normal match uh, review, the newest news from the Bundesliga and everything else. Well, until then, auf Wiedersehen. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.